So there's no performing. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to What Else? My guest today on this episode is Angela Najawan. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I already know how you are because we talked before this. We did a little bit, uh, yeah. although we didn't really delve that much into it. But, um, no. gee, what's your uh, what's your middle name? Do you have a middle name? Well, yes, I do. Um, when I got married and became Nijawan, I changed yeah. my middle name from Nicole. So I used to be Angela Nicole. Uh huh. And now I'm Angela Rossetti. Sure. So I, I, I went to you know preserve a little bit of the my own family name and you grew up with two sisters yes yep um what's the age spread between all of you let's see so i'm the oldest and then my middle sister is about 22 months younger than me so pretty close yeah we were pretty i mean we we were always you know side by side getting into things and then liza was about five and a half years later okay so, yeah, she just turned 48. Okay. So you two being close in age, was there like rivalry stuff or was it more camaraderie? Like how would you weigh that? How would you shake that out? Yeah, it was more camaraderie. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I was kind of the stereotypical older sibling. I looked after this. My younger sister Erin's a little she was a little bit of a wild child. And uh, so I think I was kind of maybe always responsible for, you know, making sure she got her nap and, you know, make like if I got in the bath, Aaron would get in the oh, bath. Even as you know? a little kid, you did this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I just kind of, I don't know, we always got along. I don't remember fighting very much with her. Yeah, interesting. And then did that kind of, pattern like continue when you were like teenagers were you looking out for her and sort of Um, or did you guys separate a little bit all wrapped in our own worlds Erin was a swimmer a a kind of a very serious swimmer during like from middle school all the way to high school so everybody was kind of busy like now it's kind of common for people to go with their kids for things that are meaningless sports games and stuff like that Right. So you travel like three hours and you watch a soccer game and then you drive home, you know, right. that, but that wasn't done so much there, except it was done for my sister. So she was so serious about something that my parents were driving her to, you know, Chicago, to St. Louis, to, okay. she went to swim camps all, you know, in the Midwest. And then she ended up swimming for a little bit at U of I. Okay. And then, um, then she quit. Right. So anyway, she was busy. I guess the point is she, she was so busy with her life. I think I was kind of into my own teen life. Yeah. And everybody just did their own thing. We did not get along. We just sort of, right. you know. When you think back, what was the focus of your teen life? What was the, um, I think, sadly, it was, there were a lot of superficial focuses. <laughs> like what kind of things? Well, you know, so I, um, I went to an all girls school and I don't know if that that has anything to do with it. Um, but there was just, I, I, I was new to the school as a freshman. And so I think I spent the first couple of years trying to find my group, you know, trying to feel accepted a little bit, mm-hmm. figure out my, what my interests were and what my, what I was going to be active in. 
Um, I think I was always kind of, you know, cognizant of the parties and wanting to be invited to parties and things like that. So I focused on that a little bit too much, even though I had another side that was a little more scholarly and, you know, got into school. I liked school. It was easy for me. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had like the, you know, the boys from the whatever team beat stuff on my locker and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was doing the whole team thing. What was the latest fashion, 17 magazine, you know, all those things. Um, so I, I definitely had that side too. And I probably focused way too much on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking back, I mean, I know this might be tricky to assess about oneself and then maybe it's different because you're at a, you're going to say your high school was all girls. Yeah. Um, do you like, were you with a particular set? Like, right. Well, I think when it's your age, right. There's like cheerleaders and nerds and jocks and yeah. Uh, right. I kind of crossed, I crossed sets. Okay. So I, there was a geographical set. I was from outside of town. Um, so I had my outside of town set and we got to know each other because uh, freshman year, we all rode a city bus home. That included a couple of transfers and then about uh, about a half mile walk, and we all kind of did this together. So there was that crew. There was, um, you know, I was in the the Glee Club. There was the Glee Club crew. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. And okay. um, not only the Glee Club, but I was in the ensemble, which was the people who were the most serious about the Glee Club okay. and devoted the most time. And so we did, we were like the featured set, you know, that did like the, the dancing and the singing. So I was kind of into that. I was into that. Yeah. So that I had that crew. Um, I had friends in like my English and math class, you know, and then outside of that were the popular people. Right. And, you know, you, I mean, I, I'm guilty of trying to be friends with them too, looking back, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, you know, trying too hard sometimes to, you know, uh, be, obse- be, a little, be, be a little bit obsequious sometimes. Yeah. And did you live in one place pretty much your whole childhood? Yeah, I lived in one place from kindergarten. We moved this the uh, spring before my kindergarten year. So I lived in that house until I left for college. And this is yeah. the greater Springfield, Illinois region? This is the, yeah, Lake Springfield. Okay. okay. So you were in, so you were in one place for that whole that period of your life, basically your yeah. whole, all your school years. Yes, yeah. And so before that, you know, when I started in Lake Springfield, like uh, you know, like many um, places where on the water, you know, today if you go to Lake Springfield, and it is not a lake that would make the cover of any kind of destination magazine, but. All around it are these like, you know, mega mansions now and just, you know, sculpted manicured lawns, etc. When I was growing up, it was still kind of, it was just kind of a mud hole, you know, and like the houses were nothing special. They were just ranch style houses, if not even less than that, like a fishing shack, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think over the whatever, you know, 15 years or 45 years since I was growing up, um, you know, it's definitely morphed into kind of a desirable spot to live when i was there it was the country and i went to a country school it was way out in the middle of cornfields um it was an interesting experience i mean i still remember there were people who rode horses to my school no kidding 
Yeah, like fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. Yeah, they were horse riders. Because <laughs> these are what people who have done, like, far, were there farms yeah. around the area? Yeah. yeah, yeah, little central Illinois farms and things like that. Wow. So it was, it was interesting to go from that, like this kind of country experience to, and not that, you know, Sacred Heart Academy was the city, but it was definitely, it felt very different from what I had been at, which was mm-hmm. very rural, you know? Yeah. Um, did you have like kids, did you have like a neighborhood of kids when you were, when you were little, like were there other kids around? Yeah, they, they would come and go and they always, no one ever lasted. It was kind of funny. So my, my main playmate was my sister and then um, a friend of my dad's daughter who would come and stay with him for a month in the summer. They, okay. The parents were divorced. So I played a lot with those people. Um, there was a girl named Michelle and a girl named Sheila for a while, but they left. So no, we were really spread out. It was, it was not like a neighborhood as such. Um, there were some older boys that used to just, we rode like an old bus, you know, like the big old yellow bus. And right. we had a bus driver. We had the same bus driver from kindergarten until I left. Wow. His name was Mr. Workman. Yeah. Um, uh, the poor man, I mean, looking back, he's, he is a saint. Everyone tortured him. Everyone was an asshole to Mr. Workman. <laughs> <laughs> and not the least of which were, the, were a group of boys that lived in kind of about a, maybe a mile from me. Um, and they were also part of our teenage or our childhood life, um, in that they, uh, I mean, they were definitely like, you know, they harassed us, the little kids. They loved to scare us, loved to gross us out. So bus rides were like what you see in movies, right? I mean, you had the kids in the back of the bus just being obnoxious and we were, you know, three or four little girls and (laughs) we were always, you know, it was crazy. Always sitting up by Mr. Workman. So yeah, yeah, that was like probably up till third grade. Wow. So, yeah. You ever? It's interesting that. Like, did you have any sense of the dynamic of how people were treating Mr. Workman at the time, or was it? Just you know, how I did I did I did have a sense of it, and I did try to be nice. You know, yeah. I, I mean, obviously you're taught to be polite and nice and stuff. Sure. And I remember, you know, my dad would always be like, you know, thank that bus driver at the end of the, the school year and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, the other thing this bus driver did every single year, I can remember from kindergarten to eighth grade, is he took the whole bus out for soft serve ice cream to Dairy Queen wow. on, the, on the last day of school. And people were still assholes to him, you know. But every year he did it, every year he... He was always like, he was an interesting guy, right? Because he was like totally quaffed every morning. He yeah. had like, you know, the hairspray. He smelled really strongly of like an aftershave. He was always, you know, chipper, greeted me by name every time I got on that bus. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a, it's like a quaint experience, really, when you look back. I don't think anyone has that experience anymore. Right. So yeah, that seems pretty rare, maybe even for the time. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why he did that for so many years, but he did. It's wild. Yeah, you wonder, like, what was the rest of Mr. Workman's day in life, right? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And I felt like he was old in kindergarten, and he was still doing it 13 years later, you know? Sure. Right. Um, Were your parents or your family or whatever big on teaching um, teaching you guys manners when you were kids? Was that, like, a thing in your household? You know, I think they wanted it to be... They wanted it to be. They for sure did. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I think my mom always had her doubts. You know, I think my mom was kind of doing it on her own for the most part because my dad was super busy and, yeah. you know, always out and about. And <clears throat> um, he himself has a peculiar set of manners, <laughs> a peculiar style. Okay. Of so my, you know, my mom was always very, tried to be very aware of the fact that, it, that the responsibility fell on her. And I do remember it when I was in sixth grade, I don't know what Aaron and I and Liza did, but we must have shown ourselves to be just little hooligans or, you know, I don't know what, but uh, she enrolled us in charm school. So, yeah. <laughs> so for like three weeks, my mom took, I think Liza was too young because I just remember it being Aaron and I. Aaron and I had to go to charm school and it was basically a room in the mall which had just opened. So it was like some, you know, school for young ladies or whatever. And um, we went and they went over things like, you know, how, where, how to set your place settings and how to walk. You know, we did the like posture thing with the book. Really? The full? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. How to say please and thank you. And um, so she, I mean, clearly I, I was raised trying to, you know, having a respect for manners, but I think my mom must have been insecure about how well she was teaching me because she relied on a professional for a short period of time. <laughs> right, how well it was sticking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you, did your family go to like church or anything like that? Did you, or was it a religious upbringing well, at all? We were Catholic, but, um, you know, my parents were super erratic. My mom was, did, wasn't raised Catholic. She was raised Lutheran. And she's been a skeptic her whole life. Yeah. And that really rubs off on you as a kid. You can tell what your parents think about things. <clears throat> my dad, I think, felt, you know, sort of like altar boy guilt every maybe two months. And he'd round us all up and drag us to mass. Yeah, but um, for the most part, if it was up to my mom, we didn't go. And... Um, I went through periods in high school, depending on like, you know, what religious religion class I was in, where I would sort of try to turn myself around and go to mass regularly. Mm -hmm. And it just never really stuck. You know, I just, I just never really felt it. So we tried. I mean, we went on Christmas sometimes. Yeah. We went on Easter most of the time. Right. Um, but yeah. How do you feel about it as an adult? Do you have any interest in it? Like, what are your thoughts about it? You know, I respect people who do have an interest in it, but I myself have no interest in it. I, I think deciding to leave the Catholic Church was tough, but I've never looked back, if did that makes sense. you make a conscious choice at some point and say, I'm out? I think I did, yeah. Because I, even in, at U of I, I, once in a while, if I was having a hard week, I'd go to um, the Catholic Church just to be like, am I missing something? You know, I mean... Yeah. Am I sure that this really doesn't do it for me? So I would go to the, the mass and, you know, experience it. And um, finally, I think it was probably after you of I just decided, you know, this is just not for me. I don't believe it. It's, I, I can't make it stick. You know, it's just, I have to find my own way doing something else. I don't know what it is, but what I've discovered is I, I don't miss it. I think because I never had it. Right. <laughs> I never really felt it in the first place. So I don't miss not having it. I don't miss not having any religion, actually. Mm -hmm. That was what I was going to ask next. Like, do you have an interest in, in that kind of stuff in general or, or like um, I have an interest beliefs in about that or not really? 
Yeah, I, I like philosophy. So I like understanding how, you know, people around the world and even within our country frame uh, life and, and, you know, the purpose of it and what happened, how you should live and how you should die. And, you know, I, I find it more interesting that then, um, then what, like wishing I, I could believe that I, I you know, I, I don't wish I had that actually. I think it's interesting. They do, but I don't, I like to learn about what people think, I guess for myself, I tend to be more like a maybe Eastern in my philosophies. You know, I, I think there's like, there is like definitely a universal truth about right and wrong and, and, good behavior. So mm-hmm. I try to kind of follow those mm-hmm. and um, I just sort of believe the rest will work itself out. <laughs> right. What was your approach with your, with your kids, with your boys um, to that stuff? Did you? Go- well, when, when they were small, I did baptize. We did baptize. It wasn't just me. Um, we did baptize one. We baptized Adam mm-hmm. because my grandparents were still alive and I just yeah. felt like that super important to them. They were, they went to mass religiously. Okay. Um, or, you know, every week, uh, after they passed, I just, nobody brought it up for Luke and I didn't really care. And so Luke has not been baptized. Right. We never went to church, but I did have a, a short period. Um, when we moved to Eau Claire where I felt like they needed some sort of a, you know, foundation or, or mm-hmm. maybe even to be, you know, just getting practice to go on Sunday and be part of a group of people listening to, you know, how to live a good life. Uh, So we went to the Unitarian church for a while, maybe a year, and that didn't really do it for me either. So So that's, that's my religious experiences. That's about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, Moving to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So you, you lived in, in Springfield right up until you went to college and then you've moved a bunch of times. Yeah. Since then, can you talk about that? Like how it felt to to move to a bunch of different places, and just kind of how that yeah experience that. I know, you know, I think it was exciting, and I didn't. Um, I guess I didn't overthink it. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. I just sort of jumped and did it. Uh, the first time I moved was to Omaha, and I just went out there. Um, I didn't really have a plan. I had a degree, right? And I um, had a contact of a lady who was had a room to rent in a house. Okay. So I looked her up. It worked out. It was a really interesting situation. She had been uh, divorced and she took in three boarders, one of whom was her daughter. So it was her and her daughter and myself and a girl named Carla. And it turned out to be actually a really fun year because they were all super quirky, very quirky people. Um, yeah, like, you know, I, it was just a great, nobody got on, there were no fights. There were no, um, no one accused anybody of anything. Everyone just came and went and it was a great way for me to kind of get to know Omaha and just sort of, you know, get acclimated and get my, my, uh, footing. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of how Omaha happened. And then we got married after Mm -hmm. I lived in Omaha for a couple of years and that's when we moved to Michigan. And I was a little scared moving to Michigan. And the only reason was I had landed a job I really liked. So I'd been working at the University of Nebraska at Omaha um, mm-hmm. in their uh, ESL, English as a Second Language Department. But 
But the job was just, it was super fun because I was working with all the international students and um, had a great group of coworkers and things like that. So I was a little sad to leave that. But then Omaha, I mean, uh, Ann Arbor was, was, that was just incredible four years. So I think maybe that taught me not to be afraid the next time. So then the next time when we moved to Minnesota, I don't recall being sad at all. It was more just, you know, exciting and here's the next thing and Mm -hmm. see what happens. So. And were you, you mentioned, uh, overthinking. Do you think you're, are you in general an overthinker or prone to that? Or are you generally not? You know, that's a good question. I think I, I can be an overthinker and that leads to so much paralysis that I feel like the best things have happened in my life when I just sort of say, you know, what the hell, let's just go for it. And that seems to be when better things happen. So I try to be more like that, but Uh it is, I mean, I do overthink things and I am unsure of myself a little bit too much, I think. So yeah, you know, definitely I do that. Do you see yourself, have you seen in over time yourself getting um, sort of developing the ability to go for it? Like, is it easier for you to be like, yeah, let's just do this or no? no, I think it's harder. Is it really? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Big things. Yeah. I mean like, yes. And the, the inertia that builds up and things like that. I think it's a lot tougher to just be like, all right, let's just do this. Let's, you know, uh-huh. try something totally new. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I can do that in little ways in my life, but if okay. we're talking a big thing, like what we used to do, Vinay and I just moved to these places that we had no idea what it was going to be like. Well, I mean, I think we need to do it again because it is hard to do at this stage. There's way more, you know, it's just more complicated when you're young. It's just like, everything is so much easier. Are you talking specifically like about like moving where you live or just things in general? I think, um, I guess in this, I'm talking about moving where we live because it's a topic that comes up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Probably that's what I'm talking about. How about like, smaller stuff or things in different areas like you know making plans or deciding where to go on a no that i have a good whatever that's easy for me yeah yeah it's the little things i think i can still do that you know just leap leap into it yeah um and yeah i I, i'm trying to think of the last time that i did have a hard time with a little decision yeah I i don't suffer those as much okay yeah and this is maybe sort of the same questions but maybe a little different to me is there's the kind of overthinking and then there's the like being decisive like being able to decide even if you don't have enough information or whatever um are you similar on that that's a good question too uh am i decisive i think i'm probably not I don't know. Is that, am I answering it by saying I don't know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a little different. That's it's not really a decision. This is more of an analysis. But um, like, so, wait. What was your question? Maybe I didn't understand it. So I think no. I think it's um, it, it, it's one thing to be uh, to overthink certain things. I think, mm-hmm. and that you can overthink anything really but i I guess i'm when i think about like decisiveness i'm thinking like 
sometimes you have to make a call on something and you there's not really a clear answer. There's not necessarily enough information. So maybe you're not overthinking it per se, but you're like, I don't know what to do here. Um, and I think some yeah. people are able to be like, well, we're never going to have enough information. Let's pick A instead of B. And other people are- no, I'm not good at that at all. Uh-huh. Yeah, I suffer that too. Uh-huh. When you go on trips, and I, you know, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think I suffer because it's hard for me to make a decision. So uh-huh. going back to, sure. you know, I, I kind of waffle on the, these little things sometimes. Yeah. And is it oh, true oh, yeah. of both sorry. like little things and big things? Does it matter? Like the magnitude of the thing? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm trying, I, I'm thinking about this as you do it. I think what I overthink are decisions or, or activities that involve interactions with people. Okay. Those are hard for me. Those are the things that I might, I might overthink. I might not be able to decide, you know, whether it's like, so your example of whether it's a choice, a choice B, um, let's just go with B cause it's not that great. If it, if, any of these things involve relationships or people, they're much harder for me. Okay. They are not that difficult for me if there's not that tied to them. So if it's, you know, like I'm going to use a dumb example, but if it's like, you know, the filet mignon or the chicken, I'm not in the mood for either, but I'll go with the filet mignon or whatever. You know, I don't really suffer little decisions that don't impact anyone except me. Mm -hmm. When my decisions impact other people or relationships, I tend to suffer them and I get a little analysis paralysis. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's easy for me to make a decision that just impacts me. So, you know, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to do this in the, you know, future, set a goal for myself. That I'm good with. But I do have a hard time sometimes with those other types of things. <laughs> That's where I waffle. And I, and I think part of it is because I'm kind of easygoing. Maybe I am used to other people just kind of steering the ship and I'm like, you know, Gilligan, like, okay, skipper. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But uh, do you think it, do you think some of that, like, are you a person who doesn't like to disappoint people? Is that a factor in your thinking? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't like to disappoint people. I hate disappointing people. Yeah. Yeah. Not that anybody like likes it, but some of us I think are more worried about that facet oh for sure yeah and i like i feel like um my two sisters don't and they might disagree with me but just their outward behavior would suggest to me that they do not care as much as i do so i definitely have more of that like i worry about disappointing people letting people down i i mean i i do think that you know one pretty strong trait i have is i'm pretty loyal to people once you know i'm in their life. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's your flip side. You could characterize it as disappointment or you could characterize it as wanting to please people. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, are you more of like a, maybe uh, I shouldn't put words in your mouth. If you have an opinion on whether you're more of like a person who tends to want to say yes to things or tends to be a little more skeptical and be like, no, you know, if someone comes at you with a, I don't, and maybe there's no pattern, right? Maybe it obviously depends yeah. on the situation, but I think, you know what I mean? Like, are you sometimes like a person who's like, yeah, I generally will say yes to stuff if it's. Personal. Oh yeah. I generally say yes to stuff. Is that right? <laughs> I do. For sure. I say yes to stuff. Yeah. And then I suffer how to get out of it sometimes. If yeah. I say, yes. and sure. when, you know, yeah. 
And sometimes I'll just go for it. And sometimes I'm happy I did. Yeah. You know? So I think there is a part of my personality that will let me make the best of a situation that I get myself into sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, I often say yes to things that I want, I'm not sure if I want to do. Yeah. Often. <laughs> I mean, that happens all the time. Right. Like, yeah. Like all the time. <laughs> like right now. Like no, I was going to say, right, right before we started this? <laughs> I don't know about this. Yeah, I get it. Um, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned as an example, running a marathon earlier. You've actually done that, right? At least yeah. once. How many times have you done that? Twice. Twice. Okay. How was it? It was great. It was great. I mean, you know, the hardest part is making the decision to do it because it takes a lot of commitment and dedication. It's not fun. I mean, you were out there slogging away. If you're training in Wisconsin, you know, you have to start training in the winter for a spring race and you're running on ice. I mean, I nearly wiped out so many times. Um, but it, it, was, it was really one of the things in my life that I had such an incredible emotional rush after I finished it. You know, it was really a great feeling to do something that difficult, that physically demanding and, and make it happen. You know, going from a point where I really wasn't that active to, you know, setting that goal and meeting it. It felt pretty good. That's great. When did you, how, did you, how did you decide? Like what led up to you deciding to, to commit to doing it? The first time my sister just talked me into it, Erin, the swimmer, she had done one and she's like, you know, I think you'd really like it. So we went to University of Illinois and we ran there kind of for old time's sake. And that was, that was actually a lot of fun. So we trained we, separately? We trained separately. Okay. Yeah. And then we ran together the whole time. I mean, we just kind of, you know, scooted ourselves along and it was fantastic. It was really fun to go through the campus. You know, I mean, it, it had changed, but yet in many ways it hadn't changed. You know, you're going, the, there would still be like the frat parties had gone on the night before we're running it Saturday morning at eight. You know, there's still people stumbling out of frat houses and things like that. It's kind of remind, it made me laugh a little bit, but um, after that race, you know, I kind of knew I could do better and I wanted to, I always wanted to beat that time. Just because I knew I had a lot of reserve at the end of that, and I thought, you know, I, I'm glad I ran with, together with somebody, but I wanted to just do it on my own and see how far I could just push myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I kept putting it off, put it off, did a few half marathons here and there, and then kind of backed off of running for a couple years. And then as I was turning 50, I sort of was like, okay, this is, it's now or never. I'm doing that marathon. And so that was the inspiration. That's great. And which one did you run the second time? Where was it? It was in Eau Claire. Okay. Which was fantastic. I loved it. Beautiful course. What time of year? It's in at the beginning of May. Okay. Yeah. So any marathoners who happen to listen to this, it's a great course. And I think it I think you can qualify for Boston on it. So um and how did you feel at the end of that one? Were you was it Fulfilling? Uh, euphoric. Yeah, it was awesome. I was so happy. I was so, the rush of emotion was like, I, as I was like, uh, the, the one thing about this race was it ended at the top of a hill, which, you know, you run 24 miles or 25 miles. And then that last one is up a hill. <laughs> and um, so it really takes all of your energy. And as I kind of 
came up, up the top of the hill and rounded the bend towards the last 100 yards, I actually started to like get that feeling that you see in people that are just overcome with emotion where you're like sobbing. And I kind of did that a little bit. And it, so it, it shocked even me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm completely lost it here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sobbing as I get ready to cross that finish line. So it was great. It's a great feeling. Not great enough for me to do it again, but it was just <laughs> <laughs> Did you, um, did you experience, I mean, I don't, people talk about the runner's high and the sort of physical thing where you get to this place where you're running and then it just seems like it doesn't require any effort. Did you experience that at all? No, I never experienced that. Okay. I have, I always was waiting for that. And, right. and I think that's why I'm not running now. In fact, like the last, um, the last few miles of the marathon that I ran, all I was saying in my head was I never have to do this again. Don't stop. Right. I never, I mean, I was, there was no high at all. Yeah. So that very last part of the hill and that, that's what struck me. It was so surprised me so much that I felt that. Yeah. Maybe so, yeah. so it sounds like that was more of like, cause people, I don't, you know, I don't know how to parse it, but people talk about this stuff as sort of like a physical thing where they're like, they're like, suddenly it's like, you're not even, you don't even have to try anymore. You're just gliding along, but it sounds yeah, like everything was more of like a, an emotional yeah. reaction to do. And I, right. I never physically felt like, uh, it was effortless. I always was very aware of my feet pounding and my hips hurting. And, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I never felt that runner's high. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. it you know, right. I, but I just never felt that kind of, you know, peace of mind. Yeah. In the challenging part, what was, was it more challenging for you physically or was it more challenging for you mentally? The hard oh. parts. I think maybe equal, honestly, honestly equal. I mean, there was definitely that physical pain, but talking yourself through not stopping took a lot of effort too. And I had a great guy running with me. He was, he, um, marathons have pacing groups. Right. So I set my sights on a time and I got into this pacing group. And so he was phenomenal. I don't know how those people do it. He was a cheerleader and you know, you, I know play at the, at the bands. Yeah. Yeah. And don't underestimate how powerful that music is because those little things, when the runners hear them, they, they just give you this, you know, spark of energy that help you keep going because you really are battling that little bit of physical pain, the mental game. Yeah. And you come to the bands or you come to the cheer, you know, somebody that you don't want a crowd cheering for you, my pace setter, they all, oh, I owe a debt to all of those people because they really help you keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were great. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, are you otherwise sporty? Like, did you play sports growing up or anything like that? No. Do you no. care about I, them? Do you watch them at all or anything? I like to watch them if it's live. Okay. So I can watch a, any live sporting event. You know, I um, went to my first hockey game a couple, about a year ago. Yeah. Um, that was great. What a fun sport to watch in, in a hockey arena. That was fantastic. Um, I like to go to basketball games. I like to go to soccer games, but I, I absolutely cannot watch anything on TV. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's just hard for me to sit there that long. I don't know. I don't feel as engaged. So I can kind of come and go check the score, but I know that's not a true fan. I mean, you know, that's not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you but, like, but if you were at a 
baseball game or at a soccer match or yeah i could sit there and be totally happy and watch it yeah yeah did you play any you said any sports or any organized stuff as a kid no did you take music lessons as a kid of any sort i took piano lessons as a kid yeah and then i was i was a swimmer so actually i guess i did that but i don't think of it as such a sport because you had swim meets but i was really in it for I was in it because that's just what we did because my sister was good at it and did it. So we all just did it. And, um, you know, it was a great group of friends for me in middle school. It was fantastic. Cause you know, middle school is kind of, it's kind of iffy time. (laughs) And I had swim practice and I had these friends from all over the city and, um, we had a great time. It was, that was a great, that was, it was, it was a social thing for me. And you don't, did you have to do the stuff where you get up at the crack of dawn and you got to go to the... I did that a couple summers, yeah. 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 And still, yeah. it was fun? You didn't mind it? Yeah, it was fun. I, we would do that. That was in high school because, you know, as you're older, um, sure. well, it was like right at the beginning because I quit after like freshman year. Um, but I would lifeguard then after that because you're 13 or 14 or whatever you are and you, you're old enough to lifeguard. So we awesome. do the workout and then we teach swim lessons to the kids who came to the public pool and then we'd lifeguard. So you lifeguarded at a public pool. Yeah. I lifeguarded at a public pool. How fun was, was that job? That was a great job. <laughs> I mean, it was a hilarious job, right? Because you've got, well, you're teaching swim lessons first and that is like hurting cats sometimes, right? Cause sure. you would have, like, they would open the little uh, doors, right? Yeah. And all, all these slippery little kids would be waiting to like run into the pool and they would just come out in a herd and jump in the shallow end and you're trying to like kind of organize them into your little groups and get them going and stuff like that. So um, that was like from, I think, you know, maybe eight to eight thirty or something like that. And then the pool opened at nine and we stayed, I, I remember I was always done at like right after lunch and then I went home. So, so it, was great. Great, it was a great gig. Uh, and then what were your other, did you have other high school jobs? Uh, yeah, I was a waitress. Um, so I taught swim lessons all through high school okay. at the Y or at this public pool. And then I was a waitress and then I worked for the state. Okay. Um, and I parked cars at the state fair every summer. <laughs> you parked cars? So what, people would pull yeah. into the state fair parking lot and like you'd give them a ticket and you would like valet yeah. park their cars? Well, no, I was like in the, there's a giant horse racing track at state fair. Okay. So I was a member of the track crew and we um, directed the, you know, all day long we had like our I little see. things and yeah. we were doing that. We were waving our arms and yeah. directing people where to park. Was that, that a fun job? That was not fun at all. Okay. <laughs> it was hot and yeah. Um, yeah. The only, the only good thing was we got free tickets to all the uh, shows. So yeah. that was a good thing. Yeah. Do you remember any of the notable shows you saw? The Beach Boys. Okay. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> oh, perfect. And this is what, middle 80s? Oh, yeah. Middle 80s. Yeah. 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 Pretty funny. So great. Yeah. Um, and, and tell me a little about um your work teaching which you're still doing yeah i am still doing that a little bit um well i mean it's kind of been i guess it it it, it hasn't really had a straight trajectory of any type right i kind of hop around hop around hop around so um right now i 
I was working at in middle school. That's kind of on hold. Mm-hmm. We'll see. COVID sort of changed everything up. Um, I was working with, I was a, what was called a gifted and talented coordinator, which really just meant I was kind of helping make sure that kids were getting the educational materials that met their needs in these classrooms, mm-hmm. heterogeneous classrooms. So that was fun. Um, but I taught a lot of different things, high school English, middle school English, um, English as a single language, uh, adult education at night. That's a fun one. Um, did that in Omaha. So Awesome. Did you, was, is there a particular age group or something that you prefer to, to teach? I've enjoyed it all actually. Yeah. I really, yeah. Even the, the things that I took way back in the day because nobody else wanted to teach them like the, um, the adult education at night. I mean, these were some pretty rough mm-hmm. crowd. They, they didn't quite value <laughs> education as such. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were just trying to get their GED, you know, yeah. but um, I don't know. It was actually, it was a good time in, in a weird way. Right. I mean, I made these relationships with these people that um, I would never have made, met, met, you know, I mean, these yeah. people had life stories that were so different than anything I had ever encountered. Um, Omaha was a big eye opener for me because I did take this, this little position where I traveled all over the city and I went to homeless shelters and women's shelters and the public library where they had the GED classes and high schools on the weekends. And, um, it was just a real, you know, coming from college and then doing a job like that, you just realize what a bubble you've been living in for so long. And, you know, life throws a lot of curveballs at a lot of people and it's hard for them to recover sometimes. So, yeah. 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 But it was good. It was good learning experience and and mostly fun. That's great. I don't, I mean, I just think it's really, I think it's very admirable. Um, and so you're now you're going to well presumably going to be doing some some work with kids who are what age? Um, eleven to thirteen. Eleven, twelve, what's, and thirteen. What's the youngest age group you've taught? Like, what's the? Uh, I have not been in charge of a classroom myself, other than middle school, so like twelve okay. year olds. Okay. But I've subbed. I mean, I've subbed in every level. At elementary school too. Yes, and I that is a really tough elementary school teachers like deserve <laughs> I mean lots more than they get because <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> it's a tough job. There's a lot of moving parts all day long. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of little wiggly bodies. Right. A lot I was of say it's a whole different thing, right? Bodies. Yeah. Whole different set of challenges with yeah. with the little yeah. kids. A um, lot of fun. Let's go. I want to go back for a second just to the Glee Club thing. What made you get into that in the first place? You know, I think because when I was in middle school, there was like two pathways you could go right in sixth grade and you could do band or you could do choir. Mm -hmm. And I still like that actually in a lot of middle schools, which is funny because that hasn't changed. But um, I was already taking piano lessons. So I told my mom, you know, I don't want to do band. So then it just shoved me into choir. And I think I just found, we had a crazy choir teacher in middle school, and I think I had a lot of fun in her class. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then when it 
came time to go to uh, Sacred Heart Academy, they had the tryouts and I'm like, well, we'll acquire something I know. I mean, it was called Glee Club there or whatever, but right. I just figured, okay, I'll just do that. And then, you know, you kind of get in and it sort of get more involved in it, more involved in it. Yeah. Pretty soon here you are, you know, the office, an officer, your senior year. Okay. <laughs> so, Were you president of the Glee Club? I was not. I was secretary. Okay. Um, were you a music listening fan? No, that's just the weird thing about it, right? I mean, my sister Erin was much more into it. So I kind of, like, she was the one who would make the tapes on the weekends all the time. And I would do it once in a while, but I was more into reading or, um, I, have, I was just more into that, actually. You know, I kind of had my reading things I did. And she was more into the, the pop music and yeah. Not even so much pop music, but like digging into alt music and stuff. Um, so no, it really wasn't that. I think it was just the fact that even though I wasn't actively, you know, maybe into music as such, I do enjoy listening to it. I love it. And I, I'm always moved by, um, by music, by beautiful music. Like, you know, if, when I hear something that music like will resonate with me and, and like really move me to be almost teary sometimes, many times, lots of times. <laughs> so I love music, even though I, um, I'm not a music head, you know, I, I'm not totally into it. Mm -hmm. Do you have, when you're thinking about that right there and talking about it, I'm guessing you have some song or songs in your head as examples of things that were powerful for you. I do. And it's, so that's kind of a funny thing because, um, a lot of the stuff that really moves me are like classical pieces. I know mm -hmm. this is really weird, but I just love how they come together. And so mm -hmm. I think early on, I, as when I was maybe studying piano a little bit, and then I would listen to some of these pieces that it would make me just feel a lot of emotion listening mm -hmm. to. Um, I think, I, I mean, like, so so I, ha I do have that reaction to music. I have that reaction to like any kind of art, a lot of, well, not any kind of art, but art can do that to me, right? And I think it does that to a lot of people. Like you see something and it, you feel it to the point where it kind of overwhelms you, right? Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily get that listening to music, but I've gotten that at live performances. So like, you know, Van Morrison, he'll play something that'll move me that way. Um, a new band, a relatively new band for me was Tedeschi Trucks. I was listening to her sing. She kind of, her voice just moved me to mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of emotion. So again, those live performances, I'll often get those feelings. But even though I have that, I never like, I'm still not a music, um, you know, geek as such, as it were. And that's why, like, I know Pandora's perfect for someone like me, right? Because I can just type in you know, whatever, and they'll play it and I will be happy, but I get it that that's not everybody's jam, right? I mean, that doesn't work for people who really curate and love their playlists and things like that. So I'm, I'm a weird contradiction, I think, that way. Mm -hmm. Do you, are there any classical pieces that you can think of off the top of your oh, head God. that you're a real fan of? Do you know no, them by name? No, or I don't. I'm horrible at this stuff. I can't yeah. remember. But you just... But there are things that, that when you yeah. hear it, you're like, it really affects you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you like going, when you go on trips places, 
what do you like to do? Do you like to go to museums? Do you like to, like, what kinds of activities do you, if there is a pattern that you tend to seek out on when you're traveling? I like to, I like to watch and observe things. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I, I like to walk around. I like to just kind of suss it out for a while. Um, as I do that, I'm often reading like little blurbs about the history of the place or kind of what's happened. I like to search out good food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say those are the things I like the most. And then, of course, the museums. But those are like the second tier of the activities, right? The okay. first tier activity is like kind of walk around, watch, look, listen, learn. And then I like the museums. Okay. Um, are you a person who ever gets, in general in life, do you get bored or are you... I don't. I don't get bored. No, I really don't. I I don't know what it's like to be bored, I don't think. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I mean, I I I feel restless sometimes. So if that's Mm. boredom, maybe I feel that. But if I. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, right? I think restlessness is different. I'll want to do something different, but I. I really can entertain myself pretty easily this way. And I think part of that comes from how I grew up where it really was just my sisters and I, for the most part, like Mm -hmm. 90% of the time. And you just kind of had to find your own thing to do. So I think I just have like a scatterbrain approach to entertaining myself, right? I'll do this for a little bit. I'll do this for a little bit. I'm a little ADD actually. And that, so that's why, you know, when you ask me, like, well, were you into classical music? Can you say something like, no, I just know that when I've heard pieces, mm-hmm. they make me feel this way. Or when I've heard live performances, I feel this way. But I don't have the, like, drive to follow it up as such. I'll just maybe find out maybe one artist, you know, um, mm-hmm. plug it into it and, and listen to things like it. But I never quite do that deep dive into it. I don't really know why that is. Yeah, some people have, I think, that completest attitude where they need to go in and find out everything or look at all the records or learn about who was on the thing. And other people are, you know, whether it's music or something else, but just that is an example. And other people are finding just like, I don't know, I heard it and it was good and that's good. Yeah, that's kind of me. And I I mean, once in a while, I will rediscover something that I I didn't have a great appreciation for the first Yeah. uh, times I heard it. Um, and like that would be like, just recently I was um, saying to Vinay that Poetic Champions of the Heart, mm-hmm. I've been listening to that album from Van Morrison and mm-hmm. listening to some of the songs on it. And I'm doing a little bit of a deep dive into that. Um, I did that recently with John Hyatt and did a deep dive into him for a little bit. Okay. But for the most part, I'm kind of like, yeah, I liked it. It was good. Let's move on. You know, so yeah. I'm just not quite a I'm I'm a snorkeler, not a deep diver. (laughs) (laughs) Great analogy. Um, What, if anything, are things that that you're looking forward to in your life? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, I'm looking forward. Is it dumb to say I'm kind of looking forward to just keeping on being happy? You know, I mean, I like the best thing to look forward to, really. Yeah, I just I I have an appreciation for just, you know, life and just being here and just trying to do your best, you know, trying to make the best of this 
crazy world. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to times with Adam and Luke and Benet and the family, obviously. I mean, that's like, you know, the best parts of life right there. Um, I miss travel. Mm-hmm. So COVID has definitely, you know, put a, put the brakes on that. I look forward to doing that in the future. Mm-hmm. I look forward to spending time with friends. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about life, I, that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, hanging out at Ziwa, in Ziwa, hanging out in Chicago, hanging out here. Uh, so I look forward to more times like that. Good food. I look forward to cooking and learning more about cooking. Um, that's one thing I am into. So I think that um, I look forward to more cooking adventures. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. When did you get, when did you start to get really into cooking? I think I started getting really into cooking within the last seven years. Okay. Before that, it was a job. When you have little kids, it was always a job, right? And you're kind of trying to please everyone and put this stuff on the table. And you're, I wasn't as sure of myself and my abilities to kind of, you know, create something that people enjoyed. Um, at, over the last seven years, maybe as everyone's gotten older, I had more freedom to be creative. I've just gained confidence in my skills and I do really enjoy putting together a, a, a good meal. It's really a, something that I love to do. That's great. Yeah. Do you, find, um, do you enjoy the process as well as the result? I enjoy the process. Yeah. And I, I enjoy the process in the way that I, approach a lot of things, right? I, we, we talked a little bit about how my teaching and how I, I kind of jump from here to here to here and my music taste, I jump around. And honest to God, that's how my cooking is too, right? There's not a plan. I just sort of, I make the plan on the fly a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? I, I'll be at the farmer's market. I'll grab some stuff. Let's put it together. I kind of have a vague idea, but I, the journey, I mean, the process is the path, Right. There's not an end goal. I just kind of follow the process and then it, it becomes clear what I'm supposed to do. I often don't start it with that in mind. I have an idea, but it's not totally crystal clear. That's so, great. And do you, um, sounds like you're, again, you're comfortable kind of winging it. and I'm comfortable winging it. And especially yeah. you know, imagine as you build your skills or your repertoire that you're able yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. And I've had lots of failures, you know. I mean, there are definitely things that don't turn out. But I still like to do it. (laughs) Do you find it, uh, is it relaxing when you're doing it? Or is it like? It's relaxing if it's for sure, if it's just Benet and myself. It's very relaxing. Um, With close friends, it's still relaxing. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, I'm getting better to the point where, like, last night we did have, like, a COVID uh, barbecue. So... We had a few people over, everybody was outside, but I was cooking inside. Um, And I have to say, I was pretty relaxed. So yeah, I think I'm Mm -hmm. even getting better with that. Mm -hmm. With the fact that it it will turn. And it doesn't feel like a chore to you or or anything when you're doing that stuff? No, No, I love it. For the most part, I love it. Yeah. And maybe that's because I don't have, you know, look, I'm, I, I have a stress. I mean, my summer right now, I have a lot of time. So yeah. if you have a life like that, I think this, is, this can happen. For me, it's, 
you know, I don't get to create many things anymore, right? And this is a chance to create something. I'm not creating anything for my job. <laughs> so right now, the only time I get to create things are um, in my garden or in my kitchen. I'm not very good at like the house decorating thing, right? I don't get into that. I don't get into like remodels or projects or shopping for the best, you know, appliance. I'm just not into that. So right. this is like a way for me to be a little bit creative. I think that's great. Do you, do you like to explore and like experiment with different stuff? Like, Oh, I've never made anything like this or using. Yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do, I mean, I probably have like my, my fallbacks Sure. and I'm not, you know, I mean, a peanut butter and jelly is great too sometimes, right? So <laughs> do you yes. Do you where do you where do you seek out like new recipes or new ideas for things to make? A lot of times having eaten out will give me the okay. idea. Um and a lot of times just looking around on the web. Yeah. Really. Um let's say I pick up some vegetables at the farmers market. You can find out a lot of different things to do if you I see. So you pick your vegetable and then you're looking up on the web what what kind of yeah. recipe you follow that. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll do that. And sometimes I just work on my technique with the recipes that are familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And that's something sometimes I think we don't, well, well, I, I felt like for a while, you know, it was always about let's try something new. Let's, you know, right increase the breadth of the skills but really it's much better to you know be really really good at a few things too so i do that too so you'll experiment with a variation on a on a yeah. recipe you've done a bunch of yeah yep, sorry that was my stool <laughs> that loud noise <laughs> scooting around over here that's great so. that's really interesting yeah. um how about doing how about cleaning up are you anti or are you like, do you like that uh, part of it? Not anti, no, not anti. I, I'm not as quick as sometimes I should be, although I've gotten much better. Well, it's the whole thing, right? Clean as you go. Sure. So clean, clean as you go and you'll be fine. Is that your, <laughs> is that how you do it? That's how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. How about you? Do you like it? Do you like to cook? Uh, I'm not very good at um, cooking and I can't cook a lot of different things. Um, I think probably, and I don't know, so maybe this is, you can enlighten me. Like, it sounds like from what you were saying that once you got a little more confident and had sort of built up your skills or your uh, catalog to a certain level, then it got more fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. I, think, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I'm not, <laughs> I think I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, but that I can imagine that's probably like any number of things in life once you get a certain proficiency it actually you can start to enjoy it more because you're at a different yeah level. it yeah i mean maybe it's the same as you're learning a new song sure right and i'm learning a new dish yeah <laughs> but the, right. i think the thing it feeds it for both of us it's that it's that creation it's that mm -hmm. creating something that you're proud of right yeah so. and i think there's a little bit of um i don't know if maybe you have this with with cooking is it's a little bit of like I, I, there was a point in time on the timeline where I couldn't do this, 
And now I can. And look at that. I was able to do it. Yeah. Right? I was able to make this thing. There's a point in time where you couldn't play this song and then you worked yeah. at it a little bit and then you could. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Now I can yeah. do it. Right? Yeah. I wish I'd kept up with the music because I think that would be such a great feeling to be able to do that. Yeah. It's, um, it never gets old for me. Yeah. That's fantastic. But I think if you are finding that in other ways, if you're finding it in cooking and stuff like that, that's great too. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to find my things too, because I think that's an important part of staying happy in life is you've got to have that thing that recharges you, that makes mm -hmm. you feel excitement and, and, you know, feel proud of yourself too. Right. I mean, it's good mm -hmm. to feel like you can do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very wise. Um, is there something else that you can think of that gives you that, that currently? Um, you know, I think, I, I, I do think that I got that out of exercising and you know, getting into great shape. That's a, also yeah. a process where, you know, oh, you know, two weeks ago, I couldn't run this far without feeling tired out of breath. Now I can. So yeah. I definitely had that feeling then. And I keep trying to remind myself of that so that I can get back on the bandwagon, not to run as such, but even just to, you know, just to increase my fitness. Right. Um, but again, I, I'm having trouble just getting started. I don't know why there's a little inertia. I mean, I'm, I'm still fairly active, but not, I, I could be better. Right. Yeah. I could be better. Yeah. Um, inertia is powerful. I think for all of us. Yeah. I don't think it gets less powerful as we get older either. I think I know, right? <laughs> so true. Not so true. true. All right. G, thank you for doing this. Thanks for being a guest, Angina Jowan, on, uh, on what else? Oh, it was my pleasure to. Really great to talk with you. And discuss and uh, yeah. reflect with you. So, yeah. Thanks. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more we can get into, but. Uh, <laughs> Right now, you've made me hungry with all this talk of cooking, so. <laughs>